I just wanted to let you know that um, what I'm about to say does not reflect my position as chair of the board of the church. It comes from a higher power. Our scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 18. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you so that every word can be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the, remember, if the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you, if two of you agree on earth without, about anything you ask, it will be done for you by, by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. This is the word of the Lord. Happy homecoming. When is homecoming? <laughs> when I hear homecoming, I think of tailgate parties, football games, alumni receptions, maybe some rivalries in there, marching bands, things that no, don't normally take place at the intersection of Talmadge Hill Road and Hollow Tree Ridge Road. And while we're going to enjoy a lovely morning of hospitality, and Rob's musical selections and Carolyn's voice are always unbeatable, I think that only the University of Notre Dame can pull off Touchdown Jesus. <laughs> so we're going to celebrate homecoming at Talmadge Hill with a different sort of meaning to it all. And what is that, you ask? Church homecoming is a way to welcome people back who were away for a part of the summer on vacations. It's a way to officially start our program year, and it's a chance, as the seasons start to take a turn, to know that as the days get shorter and the temperatures get colder, that there is a home for us always that beckons us with love, nourishment, warmth, and a community that celebrates the life of faith, the power of love, and the Christian message that holds it all together. Homecoming is about remembering the ways we come alive as a church community. There is nothing that we do here alone. We are all about relationships. But we aren't just any gathering of people. We're not a social club. We're not a service organization. We're not a therapeutic self-help circle. And while you might find a touch of these elements everywhere in church, they really aren't the core. At the core is the presence of God as Jesus taught and lived it. God is the most important relationship. But next to God, it is our relationship to each other and to the world that ties us together in our Talmadge Hill home. At the heart of this home is the presence of Jesus who said, For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. 
Happily, we've got more than two or three here today, so I think we're all set. But looking at the big picture, it's easy to see that these relationships were the cornerstone of Jesus's ministry from his 12 disciples to the wide ring of outsiders who were such a critical part of his ministry and his story. No doubt, the church is a unique organization. Yes, like any family or association of persons, the church is filled with all sorts of people. We love it and we welcome it. What is more, we know that the church is hardly exempt from the worst elements of human behavior. Yet the difference is that in all the messiness of our togetherness, the spirit of Christ and the love of God is right here in our midst. When we gather in groups of two or three, of 20 or 30, or every now and then, a hundred plus, the spirit of God is there. Whether it's fellowship, a committee meeting, or an outreach project, we do so intentionally in the name of Jesus to spread the love of God. Moreover, we are Talmadge Hill Community Church, and we are a community of people who are committed to the experiencing the presence of God through Jesus and the transformative power of the Holy Spirit that meets us and calls us and takes us out into the world. The reading I used today for homecoming ends so beautifully, and I just can't stop saying those words whenever two or three are gathered. It's why we're here. Yet this wonderful assurance of Christ's presence seems to begin with a list of rules and tips that border on righteousness. And I almost didn't use it for that reason. And John, I know you gave us an introduction. Like, these are some pretty righteous-sounding things. Don't take it the wrong way. But the passage is all about relationships. It's about the relationships that are at the essence of faith. And it's about the forgiveness at the heart of those relationships. I love that we had Emma and Clara here, and I sent them to Sunday school saying that when the two of them together are together, there is love. There is God's presence and love. But I would bet, looking at Jane and Griffin, that there's a fair amount of forgiving that they have to learn and that very important relationship. We all need that. And those comments about those righteous comments, I think, lead us that this is a place where forgiveness is at the heart of who we are as humans and everything we do here. And that even the people who think, I'm too far gone, I can't be forgiven, can find that forgiveness and love right here. Just think about it. If you feel you don't belong or you think you're beyond forgiveness or acceptance, It's easy to find an outside world that will affirm exactly that sentiment. It's so easy to feel that and have it affirmed that maybe you don't belong. Yet here in these four walls, what we take out of here is forgiveness, acceptance, and love. We are the place where seeking and the seeking and saving love of God welcomes everyone. And we are reminded every week that we have a divine mandate to forgive each other and to forgive 
ourselves. Jesus frequently dined with tax collectors, the unclean, and those who were thought they didn't belong. We're called to dine with them too and practice forgiveness and welcome that authentic presence of God. The heart of our faith is not a set of rules that pleases God. Rather, it's a relationship that's made possible by God's love and grace that is illuminated again and again and again. And because more than anything, God wants us to have healthy and, and whole relationships with each other. That promise is a promise to be believed and a relationship to be cherished. Yet those relationships in God's presence are not limited to these four walls. What we receive here, however, we are compare, compelled to share with others with whom we are in relationship, from our family to complete strangers. When we connect faith and action, that combination is when we create the kingdom of God. As we begin a new program here together as a church family, let's remember the ultimate goal this year, as in every year, to grow in the life of the Spirit. As we gather week in and week out through this year for the breaking of the bread and spiritual nourishment, may we care deeply for one another and seek and serve Christ in all persons. And in doing so, may we always know the power to know the love of God and share it. Equally important, may we be transformed by it. You need to show up to grow. You need to serve so that you can be served. When I did my training in hospital chaplaincy after Divinity School, I was privileged to learn my best wisdom from the patients that I served. They're all mostly nameless now, but I've never forgotten their face or their story. I'll never forget my visit with a 70-year-old woman in intensive care who was recovering from a terrible automobile accident that had taken the life of her husband. She had broken bones, a punctured love, punctured love, and a broken heart, and a complete shattering of the vision she had of the senior years she thought she would spend traveling with her husband and enjoying her children and grandchildren. She admitted she was struggling. I tried to be my best pastoral presence, and I tried to compassionately address the profound grief she was experiencing with love, spiritual reassurance, and some patience for the grieving process. In a very nice and very sweet and very direct way, she told me I was missing the point. She was not surprised at her shock and grief, something I was trying so hard to address. She was surprised at how she felt she had so much more left to learn. She said, the only way I will endure this struggle I never thought I would be in is to figure out what God wants me to learn, what God wants me to do, and who God wants me to be in this chapter in my life that I never believed I would be seeing. She taught me that these are questions that we all should be asking, whether we are in the midst of a life-altering shock or simply in church on Homecoming Sunday.
As we launch into our new program year, today is an annual reminder that parishioners of all ages are asked to grow and learn. So wherever you are on this spiritual journey, pray to God that you are shown how you might grow to be a disciple of Jesus, to be his student, and to spread his love in the year to come. We learn from each other, whether it's at hospitality or Bible study, adult education or singing in the choir or singing solo. Thank you, Carolyn. Come to our women's circle or men's groups. Participate in Homefront or the breakfast run. Sample a few of our offerings to see how scripture and faith intersect when life, with life when we're not inside these four walls. We are all walking channels of love, of peace, and of Christ's presence. We are literally outside symbols of love. Nourish that here and take that into the world. There's a wonderful book by C.S. Lewis called The Great Divorce. Has anyone here read it? Yeah. In brief, it tells a story of a bus ride from hell to heaven, where passengers are given the choice to stay in heaven or to return to their former lives in hell. In it, hell is a city that is forever expanding in every direction. Why? Because the residents in hell keep moving further and further away from each other. It's as if these residents, a minute or two after meeting, all conclude, say, conclude and say, what can I do without you? And they kind of don't see a need to be in relationship, and they keep moving away. They simply fail to live in relationship. That does not happen here. We need everyone. We love everyone. We want everyone. Last year, I did a funeral for a woman here who wasn't a parishioner. She died just a few weeks short of her 90th birthday in a nursing home in Nashville. I received a call from one of her five daughters. Even though they all lived in different parts of the country now, they were all raised in Darien, and they wanted to have the memorial here at Talmadge Hill. I asked them why, and they told me that their mother grew up on Hollow Tree Ridge Road and grew up at Talmadge Hill Church. They told me that in the painful weeks leading up to their mother's death, she said very little except, I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home. And when she died, her daughters knew that this was the home that she thought about and dreamed about and that filled her heart for so many years. They wanted to grant her her wish to literally go home. As we come home to this church, I hope that we can recall what an important home this is for so many, what it's been for so many for so many years, 150 years. And it will continue to be that for us and all that we serve in the world. In sports, there is an unwritten rule about home team advantage. It's the secret sauce that tilts the odds in favor of the home team. 
with cheering fans and some familiarity, there is a momentum that gives the home team a push, even when facing a challenging opponent. You know it when you see it. You especially know it when you feel it. May you feel that here. And let me be clear, faith is not a competition, but the home team advantage we get from being here is from the power of our relationships and our desire to know the love of God and share it. As Nadia Boltz Weber said in the meditation I used on the bulletin today, faith is a team sport, not an individual competition, and that we hold the faith on each other's backs. Someone I can't believe, someone else is believing for me, and vice versa. Sometimes we're the ones being lowered to the roof, through the roof to Jesus, and sometimes we're the ones who are doing the lowering. We are all on a journey here, but we journey as a team, a team with a home team advantage. And when we do that, it is less of a struggling pilgrimage and more of a gentle homecoming week after week after week. And when you arrive at this home, you are welcomed and loved deeply. The church has always been a vision, not only of communal hope, but the best place for redemption and new creation that is the cornerstone of the Christian faith. We're a place that's about relationships, not rules. We're a place where where we care more about what you perceive than what you believe. We're a place where we don't preach about a God who wants your compliance. As Carter said, we preach about a God who wants your heart. Today at Homecoming, share your heart and look forward to how you will grow in your relationship to God and one another. Together, each week, inside these four walls and outside these four walls, we help create and recreate God's kingdom over and over Because coming home and coming here, you will always have God's love and you will always have the home team advantage. May it be so. Mm